Hello, everyone. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, this is one of the reasons that I, we actually started this podcast was to delve a little bit into the book, The Explosive Child by Ross Green. Now, I want to preface what we're going to talk about by saying I've had a lot of experience with different children, and I've really, we have all of the nature versus nurture arguments and whatever that may be, there are a lot of children that just tend to explode more than others, or sometimes implode. And as um, I'm super excited to get to understand them more, um, children that may be a little bit more explosive and to understand us more as parents or caregivers as to how to best help them with the explosions. Um, also, as I talk about children, um, sometimes you won't know exactly which child I'm talking about. I've had 27 foster children, and um, of them, 21 were boys. And of my own forever kids, I have four children, and three of them are boys. So you'll hear a lot of he's, and it's okay if you don't know exactly which he that is. But I have with me today, for the first time on this podcast, Ashley, and we will be doing this podcast together. Hey everyone, I'm excited to be here. So happy that you're helping me out with this, Ashley. Um, I'm going to start out by reading from just from page one a little bit of the introduction, or not the introduction, but of chapter one to the explosive child. Jennifer, age 11, wakes up, makes her bed, looks around her room to make sure everything is in its place, and heads into the kitchen to make herself breakfast. She peers into the freezer, removes the container of frozen waffles, and counts six waffles. Thinking to herself, I'll have three waffles this morning and three waffles tomorrow morning. Jennifer toasts her three waffles and sits down to eat. Moments later, her mother and five-year-old brother, Adam, enter the kitchen, and the mother asks Adam what he'd like to eat for breakfast. Adam responds, waffles, and the mother reaches into the freezer for the waffles. Jennifer, who has been listening intently, explodes. He can't have the frozen waffles, Jennifer screams, her face suddenly reddening. Why not, asks the mother, her voice and pulse rising, at a loss for an explanation of Jennifer's behavior. I was going to have those waffles tomorrow morning, Jennifer screams, jumping out of her chair. I'm not telling your brother he can't have waffles, the mother yells back. He can't have them, Jennifer screams, now face to face with the mother. The mother, wary of the physical and verbal aggression of which her daughter is capable during these moments, desperately asks Adam if there might be something else he would consider eating. I want waffles, Adam whimpers, cowering behind his mother. Jennifer her frustration and agitation at a peak, pushes her mother out of the way, seizes the container of frozen waffles, then slams the freezer door shut, pushes over a kitchen chair, grabs her plate of toasted waffles and stalks to her room. Her brother and mother begin to cry. Oh my goodness, the first time I read this, I felt like there is somebody who understands what I'm going through. <laughs> and um, I, I feel like a lot of us with explosive children 
think that it's just us with this problem, but it's not. This is one of the first things that this book really helped me out with that we're not alone. We're not the only people dealing with children that have challenges and this challenge in particular, the, the explosive nature. Um, I also wanted to read a little bit of the mother's thoughts here on page four. She says, people who don't have a child like Jennifer don't have a clue about what it's like to live like this. Believe me, this is not what I envisioned when I dreamed of having children. You can't imagine the embarrassment of having Jennifer lose it around people who don't know her, her mother continued. I feel like telling them, I have two kids at home who don't act like this. I really am a good parent. I hate what I've become. I used to think of myself as a kind, patient, sympathetic person, but Jennifer has caused me to act in ways in which I never thought myself capable. I'm emotionally spent. I can't keep living like this. Okay. <laughs> what do you think, Ashley? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah, I can relate to so much of this as well. Um, I just want to go back to the preface for a minute because there were a couple of things that resonated with me from there. Um, Dr. Green states that there are terms that are often used to characterize behaviorally challenging kids and that they are inaccurate and counterproductive. And these are terms um, that you may, that, you know, some, a lot of us are familiar with. Willful, manipulative, limit testing, attention seeking, unmotivated, contrary, etc. And then he says there's also terms that people say about parents who are parenting these children, and they're not very accurate either. And those are passive, inconsistent, permissive, inept disciplinarians. Um, a lot of this rings very true to me. The first time I read this book, like you, um, reading this and other parts brought tears to my eyes as well. I felt like someone finally understood and that I wasn't alone because if Dr. Green had written a whole book about it, there must be other people out there who were dealing with this same thing. And I also had hope that there was more that was going on with my child under the surface that I just didn't know yet, but that I could learn and figure out how to help this child. And I also felt like maybe we're not bad parents. Maybe I'm not failing <laughs> my kids. Maybe I'm not doing something wrong. Um, so initially, just right from the preface, I started feeling relief and hope. Absolutely. I can, I can relate to the case study in the book. I can relate to what you're saying. I've had such similar thoughts. Um, a year and a half ago, when when you first helped to motivate me to read this chapter, Ashley, I wrote down, I hate seeing myself lose control. I hate seeing myself screaming at a child that I love so deeply. And I'm, I'm trying to push through the shame and admitting that, but really, I feel like I've just been pushed beyond the limits that I ever thought I would have to reach as a mother. <laughs> um, yeah. On page six, uh, Dr. Green says, these children have enormous difficulty thinking things through when they become frustrated and often respond to even simple changes and requests with extreme rigidity and often verbal or physical aggression. Um, and I really, 
I have you to thank a lot for this, Ashley, I, I, for just helping me to see my child from a different perspective. I'm, I'm just thrilled reading back through the notes that I had a year and a half ago when I first read this and, and took some notes on it to my feelings now. I feel like I'm in such a better place uh, in in my head space in the way I'm approaching this problem that instead of just my child's exploding and I don't know what to do and I'm just gonna bottle it up until I explode on him too and now there's screaming going on in the house and I don't want to be this way and I don't want my home to be this way and having a much better approach to it is just so hopeful for me. <laughs> yes and I was in the the same exact place in the past as well. Um, bottling it up and then exploding myself and it was just horrible. So um, I, this book is just a wonderful resource for anyone who's in that position. Um, I wanted to share a few of my notes as well from Please. reading chapter one. Um, Dr. Green states that parents of explosive children often feel emotionally spent in a constant state of crisis like their child is in a different league, very alone, that strategies that work on other children usually don't work on my child, frustration, confusion, anger, bitterness, guilt, overwhelm, spent, scared, and hopeless. And I think I can relate to almost all of those feelings at one point. Um, these children, he said, often require an enormous amount of vigilance and constant energy from their parents. And I can definitely relate to that. Um, but then he states there is hope. And that he says that as parents of these kids, we need to apply different strategies and gain an understanding of what is really happening with our children's behavior. And that helping the challenging kids, it requires first of really digging deep down what is going on and understanding where they're coming from, kind of seeing under that surface level. Um, so I guess for me, I felt really validated reading this, like I said, and hopeful and um, just encouraged to kind of dive in a little bit deeper and see what he was talking about. Yes, and I, I wanna just say a, a quick, this is something I tend to say a lot in, in these conversations for any parents who are listening, thinking I end up screaming at my kid too, or I have behavior that I'm not proud of. Like we're not talking abusive behavior where you need intervention, just things that this isn't exactly the way that I want to be parenting. Yes. I think we can just kind of let some of that guilt go. Like I'm doing my best. I was doing my best. It doesn't mean I can't do better, but I can at least have the same compassion on myself that I might offer to someone else. Like I understand where I'm coming from and let's let that guilt go and just move forward and try to become better together. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Okay. Do you want to um, share, go a little bit into chapter two now, the. Yeah. Well, if you want to consider, or did you have more about the case study that you want to share? And I have some. I can share my notes from it. Oh well. yeah, if you um you go ahead and, and talk a little okay. bit more about the case study. Okay, well, I don't actually have the case study in front of me, but I do have That's my okay. notes from chapter two. If you, I can um, share that. Um, just more of what Dr. Green is saying. Yes, um, the, the overall message chapter two is titled, Kids Do Well When They Can. 
And what does that really mean? And how is that a paradigm shift from where the traditional view that you used to have, or most people might have of explosive children? Yes, this was um, such a, an epiphany for me and like such a game changer. Just this one simple phrase. I remember writing it and taping it to our fridge and um, just kind of that shift of thinking they really aren't doing this on purpose. They're not trying to push or, you know, this child's not trying to push my buttons or always be in trouble. They don't want to always be in trouble. They really do well when they can, just like we as parents, we do well when we can. But when we reach that limit, we turn to fight or flight. Um, we get frustrated and without the skills uh, to cope with it well, we just don't cope with it well. And neither do kids. And, yes. and also the practice. And it also comes with maturity and brain development and all of those things. But, you know, these kids aren't there quite yet. So they need a little extra help. Yes. And so the overall message that I think this chapter is explaining chapter two is that we might say say there's a child that has dyslexia and they're struggling in school in reading we don't say well obviously your child just doesn't want to read right, right. <laughs> we would say oh your child has a learning disability it happens to be in literacy um the specific skill is dyslexia and so they will need alternate teaching methods and they'll need a little bit of accommodations in order to make this learning um, available, available to them. I'm obviously speaking like a teacher here, <laughs> but that's okay. And um, I had never thought of that before. It is a complete paradigm shift for me to think my child who I I can't, everybody says, well, your child is throwing a fit because he wants to get what he wants. But I can tell you, I went probably like seven years of fit after fit after fit. And that child never got what he was throwing his fit for ever. Yeah. And the fits didn't get better. And when I would punish for them, they'd get worse. And when I'd give consequences for them, they got worse. <laughs> they got, yes. And it was just like, none of this is fitting and me with a background as a teacher I'd apply these teacher disciplinary tactics to my own children and sometimes like sticker charts would work for a little while then we'd be right back in the same rut again and when the explosions oh, yeah. would happen the whole house would just be up in awful feelings and um it has been amazing for me to to go wait my child we see that meme on Facebook your child's not giving you a hard time, they're having a hard time, but I don't think I ever got what that meant or it never meant as much to me until I realized my child is really struggling. He's not trying to explode. He's not trying to get his way. He is just having a really rough time and he doesn't need a mom to punish him for it. He doesn't need a mom to sit there and give him consequences and show him a you know, sterner disciplinary tactic or whatever he needs a mom that loves him for where he's at and can get him through this and help him out yes absolutely I like how Dr. Green says that these kids have lagging skills that some of a lot like most of us take for granted like flexibility or adaptability frustration tolerance and problem solving 
So they just might not have those. And really looking at those lagging skills is what's going to help things to start to change. Um, and he says, challenging behavior occurs when the demands being placed upon a child outstrip the skills he has to respond adaptively to those demands, which makes complete sense to me now. It took me a while to get there, but now that I have this understanding and I see my kids go through this or that child in particular, I can see he just is lagging in that area and I need to help him so that next time we can get through it a little easier. Absolutely. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to understand my son a little bit better. Um, I'm going to read really quick a post that I made on in a Facebook group in, back in October of 2020. Um, I am talking about some problems that I had been having. And it's, uh, I said, I'm finally coming to understand my son better. Instead of focusing on trying to control or change his behavior, I'm working on controlling my reactions to it or to his behavior. And it is helping our family, especially me, so much. And then this was the biggest moment where I saw this book just change the way I parent um, children that are exploding. Last night, when he had a pretty bad meltdown over some seemingly simple things, I handled it so much better than usual. When he was calming down, he told me, Mom, it's like my mind has too many things going on in it at once, and I couldn't handle them all at the same time. He never would have been able to say that with the old way I would handle such meltdowns. I have a long way to go to learn and understand more, but I'm thankful for the pathway I'm on now. And I really struggled because I would think when my, maybe when foster children had a big explosion, I would think, well, this is probably due to their trauma, or maybe they had abusive parents or, you know, a lot of a really, really heavy background. But when my kid that has experienced minimal trauma and that's very intellectually intelligent, um, I would think you're too smart for this. You're too grown up for this. You've not been through trauma. You don't have an excuse. And right. it didn't help me. So maybe, you know, even before we work on teaching the skills to changing his behavior or not changing, but to, to help him better um, manage his explosions, um, I can change my own behavior and me remaining calm and compassionate and, and seeing, okay, you're, you're sitting on the bathroom floor screaming because you don't want to brush your teeth. And instead of thinking, you're just throwing this fit to get your way while well, you're not going to get your way, you brush your teeth right now, right? <laughs> like, instead going, hey, I know you want to be reading your book, your mind's probably still in your book. That's rough. I'm just going to sit here and rub your back until you're calm. It has really made such a difference in our home. Yes, that is such a key point about changing our behavior, instead of just trying to change our kids behavior. And I really love that Dr. Green's um, suggestion is to work proactively together on their unsolved problems or the lagging skills that he talks about. Because he says they are predictable, so we can see them coming. Maybe your child always has a hard time getting off screens when it's time for dinner or when their limit is up. Or 
maybe they never want to go to bed at night or they don't want to brush their teeth. You can see that's predictable and you can work on them one problem at a time and get ahead of that working proactively together by talking it through with your child. So that's more of what he gets into in the next chapter. Um, but one thing he says is how an, how you understand and respond to the hand that you've been dealt or with these um, challenging kids is essential to helping your child. So it's really about learning, gaining this understanding and then applying it together. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know he titles this chapter, chapter, Kids Do Well When They Can, but I kind of, for this podcast, I would want to add to it, and parents do well when they can. Um, Savage Garden had a song, uh, Affirmation, and one of the lines from it was, I believe your parents did the best job they knew how to do. And that has stuck with me. I really do think most people are doing their best. I meant to look up the quote from Anne Frank, um, so I don't have it word for word. Fact checked me, everyone. Um, but she says something to the effect of, after all that she's been through, that she still believes that people are inherently good. And um, that applies to us as parents. I, I do think most parents are doing their best and we can learn more skills to help us. We can't change our kids' behavior really. We can teach them skills that will hopefully help them manage their behavior, but we can't control that in the end. What yes. we can control is ourselves. Right. And Marjorie Hinckley has a quote that I also meant to look up, but it, it basically says, there isn't a person you wouldn't love if you could know their story. That applies to our kids and not just loving them. Of, of course, we love our kids, right? But understanding mm -hmm. them better and being more compassionate, seeing, okay, you're, you're not trying to, you're not trying to, you know, give me a horrible time right now. You just need a little bit more love and support from me to get through this. Mm -hmm. And even just that understanding tone in our voices and just kind of how our faces relax more when we're not getting easily frustrated with them. I think all of that just helps them to kind of de-escalate as well and um, feel more understood. Yes, it helps the explosion so much. And and let's just pretend that it didn't. I mean, it, it does. And we're going to, in future episodes, we'll talk a little bit more of some of the um, techniques to address um, teaching those skills. But let's just pretend it never even helps those explosions. Just pretend. <laughs> um, at least my home only has one person exploding. <laughs> Right? right at least it's just my child and not the mother also and at least I can feel good feelings in my heart instead of feeling oh I hate this oh I don't like what I'm doing oh why am I yelling oh look my my other kids are seeing me yell and I can just walk out of that explosion not feeling completely depleted I don't have to take it personally I don't have to think it's an attack on me I can just walk out calm and that is so powerful Absolutely. Yes, I've been on both sides of it. And the latter is definitely feels more yes. powerful and just feels so much better and more peaceful, even if it's chaos around me, but I yes. feel more peaceful still. And Ashley, one final thought, this is a little bit off um, script, but you've mentioned before um, to me the don't take it personally attitude. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, it's a, an acronym. Um, that is Q-tip, 
that I was actually taught, um, I think it was by Dr. Ross Green. I listened to him in person and also some other speakers. So it was one of the speakers there, but they said it stands for um, quit taking it personally. And just, I will say that I used to take it personally. There was a time when, like I said, I felt like a failure as a mom. Um, I felt like we were bad parents. It had to be us. Um, everything this child was saying, I was internalizing it and just thinking, well, maybe that's right. Maybe that's true. Maybe I could do this more. Maybe I could be better. Maybe I'm not listening enough or maybe, you know, all these different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just felt like almost like offended and hurt by the things that this child was saying. Uh, but just really taking, like taking that to heart and listening the acronym, just stop taking it personally. They're not meaning to attack us. Um, it's more about what they're going through, not really about us, you know, and they don't know how to express it well. And so they're going to lash out in their safe place, which is what we are. And it's um, what we want to be. Like, we don't right. want them to lash out at us. <laughs> right. <laughs> but of course, for their safe place, where else were they going to go if they can't go to their parents? Yeah, exactly. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Did you have any final thoughts that you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Um, not really, just I'm excited to dive into the next chapters, the ones coming up. Um, Dr. Green kind of breaks it down more and we can get into it a little more, but I think this is a great way to start it off. And I appreciate you sharing your experiences as well. because I think that really helps people to be able to feel like they can relate more. Thank you. And so just a slight preview, um, help me out with this because I know you've read more <laughs> so far in the book than me, but Dr. Green does go into a little bit deeper into reasons why your child might be exploding. And then mm -hmm. he gives us some techniques to teach skills in the areas where they're, where they're lagging a little bit. They're learning disability in explosions, if you will. <laughs> Is that yeah. what's coming up? Yeah, that, and he also goes into each, um, gives examples of each type of lagging skill, and then what that might look like for the child if they are lagging in that skill, and then he gives some approaches of like things or ideas of what we could do to help them in that specific situation. Fabulous. So for our listeners, look forward to another episode where we delve a little bit more into what's coming up in the book. But I do hope that this episode has been beneficial for all of you. Um, it's, as Ashley and I have said, it's made such a difference in our lives. And I, I really want to hold to that. Kids are doing their best. Parents are doing their best. It doesn't mean we can't all learn more and do a little better. But let's give ourselves compassion while we're on that journey. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me, Ashley. Thank you, Emily.